Okay, hello everybody and welcome to Investing with the IBD sponsored by Vantage Point. Today is January 20th, 2021. I'm your host, Arusha Paris, and today we have Jeffrey Hirsch on the show. Jeff is the editor-in-chief of the Stock Traders Almanac, and it is the 54th edition, Jeff. Congrats, and thanks Thank for you. being here. Great to see you have it already. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the current markets. Uh, we're going to talk about the January trifecta, and then we will end the episode with a few current ideas. Let's get into the current market. The market is in a confirmed uptrend. We have three distribution days on the NASDAQ, five on the S&P 500. Jeff, what are your thoughts on this market? Well, we've got you know a couple of concerns. Uh, the vaccine, um, the travel leisure, pub restaurant service industry. Right. Um, and inflation, maybe, if it ever shows up with all the, the fiscal stimulus out there. But other than right. that, um, it's it's pretty bullish, it, you know, cautiously. Yeah, we've got a post-election year. We're going to get into that a little bit. Post-election year is not as bad as they used to be. But technically, fundamentally, um, seasonally, things are pretty bullish right now. Um, sentiment's a little bit rich, a little bit high right now. It's come back. It's yep. come off a little bit. We look at put call as, as well as, um, you know, the weekly one at Barron's, I always um, I gravitate to from my, my history of going through the lab pages. But, um, and I missed, I missed the big picture in the paper, by the way. I know it's been a long time, but hearing, yeah. you, hearing you rattle off, rattle it off like that, it, it, it brings back. <laughs> it, it is online still on investors.com. I know, but it, <laughs> it, used, it used to come to the doorstep or That's in true. the mail. That's true, um, yeah. And, you know, investors intelligence uh, and some other sentiment measures have, have been quite elevated. Yeah. But uh, like any type of, of, of top, these things can go on uh, at those levels for a while. I mean, tops are a process, bottoms are an event, and it's the same with the indicators. They can stay, you know, really uh, overly bullish or, you know, uh, for, the, for the oscillators, for the, for the contrary ones, for... Yes. Much longer than invested investors can stay short, unless you're like a Jim Chanos or somebody like that who shorts for a living. But right, no, you're absolutely right. To the bull side, it's amazing at how long, especially just using the sentiment indicators, uh, how long they can just kind of be pinned up there, and the rally just keeps going and going. Um, now we are in an interesting part of the year. We're coming up to the end of January, going into February. Now, from my own experience, and obviously this is biased, I always seem to remember these times, for the most part, as some of the more challenging times in the market. Uh, what have you guys seen uh, over the years, and what has the data kind of shown uh, with this time period? Because there is there is a little bit of weakness usually that goes on at this time. Well, January, you, you know, still one of the strongest months of the year, um, yeah. still part of the best three consecutive months, November to 7th, January. However, we've seen January's performance come down in recent years. And I think it's, it's become a bit of a profit taking period, especially mid month. And there was an old uh, saying or an old, you know, trade in the, in the S and P pits uh, Chicago that the January break, which is mid month break. We had a little bit of that, um, there's a lot of bullish underpinnings here, but January is not necessarily the most, is not a negative month. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's positive. It's, it's given some back and it's, it's even stronger for NASDAQ, but February is the weak link in our best six months. And that's where we see adjustments after, you know, the market looks at 
what happens in January because that's how the January barometer existed. I don't know if you want to jump right well, in. And we'll go thing. into that, the January. But yeah, we're, de we're definitely spending But the reason that. the JB exists is because there's so many decisions made in January uh, economically, inauguration, States of the Union, yeah. fiscal agendas, all that stuff. Um, and we'll talk about the lame duck amendment as well. And then the market adjusts in February, and it tends to be this this week period. It's also, you know, where winter gets a little tougher. Um, I know out in California, you don't have it as bad, but nope. you're still in the northern hemisphere, and it's still colder than it is in July and August. <laughs> I know you're wearing wetsuits out there. In <laughs> yeah. July and August well, we, anyway. we we just got hit with an earthquake this morning oh here, God. so so we do have a, we have a, we have a few things we have to deal with. But you know, I'm willing to take that because I'm from the Northeast. I'm I'm willing to take that occasional earthquake versus the consistent snow and lack of sun that that you're dealing with right now yeah we got we got some sun it hasn't been bad okay it's, okay it's, it's typical january you know 30s and 40s partly cloudy yeah. some weather there's a flurry there'll be some snow but anyway it tends to drain on people a little cabin fever hits in in february on top of the the president's day break and people tend to sell into that and, and around that so you know it's not January as much as it is February. Okay, and that makes sense. I, I always, January I always is more fear the indicator February. month. Sorry. Oh, and well, I always fear February personally. You should. Uh, yeah. It begins um, with F, just like fear. Exactly. Yeah. So, Jeff, be, before we get into a lot of these really interesting indicators that you and your father, especially your father, really kind of came up with these uh, years ago, um, mm -hmm. let's talk about your background. How you got into this? Walk us through that because it, it's a really cool story. Well, it's kind of by osmosis, you know. Yeah. Born, bred, weaned, raised on it. Uh, yeah. I fought it for for many years. Uh, I mean, Yale started Stock Traders Almanac the year I was born, 1966. Wow. He went out on his own and started a company when my mother was pregnant with me. Oh, um, for the record, my mother past uh december 19 she's been gone over a year but dad is still still rocking and rolling at 97 he's at the nursing home um he's got one vaccine shot in him so we got that going for oh, him good. i get a test a, a rapid test every time i go to see him but so yale had been working with indicator digest which was a newsletter proving grounds for analysts and writers um out of palisades park new jersey started by his cousin my godfather uh, Samson Kozla, who I named my first son after. Sam was a songwriter in the Songwriters Hall of Fame, wrote Cocktails for Two Mild Flame, and was in, it also produced the movie Copacabana. Um, I think wow. he had an Oscar for a short or something like that, or, or, or some, whatever. But um, Sam had sold his publishing rights to this company, to RCA for stock back and got, and it was like before the crash or something. Um, and he got burned. So he became a student of the market. Obviously, you know, not a dull guy, pretty sharp. Yeah. And he ended up writing a book called Super Yields, which was in the, the 50s, early 60s, and um, went out and ran an ad. I mean, we used to do, we used to run ads with you guys in the old days. Great, That's right. We had great advertising success with IBD, the paper. Did the same thing in Barron's, and he ran an AB split on two presses. You know, where you have one, the same exact ad, one headline on one, like one press, and so you're testing a headline. You're always supposed yep. to be testing when you're marketing. If you're not testing, you're wasting your time. Anyway, you guys know all that. So Absolutely. he ran the ad, you know, with the tear-off coupon on the corner with the dotted lines around it. 
And Yale was working in the in the music business, writing songs and stuff. Actually, I own his one of his little publishing companies. Got a couple of tunes in it that wow. It doesn't pay much, but it's it's just interesting. That's so cool. So the ad hits. You know, all the coupons come in in the mail, and he calls up Yale and says, "I need you to run operations." This was '61, I think. Wow. So they spent the next four years cranking out this newsletter, investment newsletter business. This is when it was really hot. I mean, I, I, I just heard something. I was talking to Kelly Wright at, at IQ Trends the other day. We did a, we did a panel at, at Money Show uh, about stocks. Same stocks we're going to talk about later. But he was telling the story of Geraldine Weiss. And if you know who she is, and back, she started in 66 also. And she used to go under the pseudonym or the name G. Period Weiss because nobody wanted to take investment advice from a woman back then. You know. Anyway, I, I digress. So he starts incorporates the Hirsch organization, spends the next year and a half compiling all the information he learned, all of these indicators, patterns, trends, seasonalities, and wanted to put it all in a calendar format so he could follow the markets markets calendar along with his own throughout the year. Okay. And he came up with this epiphany to create the Stock Traders Almanac. It's evolved somewhat over the years, but you've got a few copies. It's yeah. it's still basically the same. I mean, it's gotten a little bit easier to use, a lot easier to use, a little bit better. We've taken some things in. Things have been relegated to the indicator graveyard. New indicators have come in. We've built on other things. But, you know, then I come along um, and, you know, in 73, uh, I mean, I guess going back when the first year 67 to 68 edition comes out, he sends a salesperson out to the brokerage firms in New York City, going door to door, you know, just pounded the pavement. And he sold a whole bunch of these things to brokers, giving away as clients. We always imprint the the logo on there for, for the firm. Yeah. And it hit and it everyone it stuck. And obviously we've been doing it for 54 years now. It must be something redeeming about it. No, it's an institution now. I mean, everyone's heard of, of the stock traders almanac. If you're into investing or even if you're on the periphery, you know, so it, it it's uh it's just one of the, the, the coolest publications out there. And then people were clamoring for more. So we yeah. started a newsletter in 73 to update people throughout the year called Smart Money. Okay. Uh, in 81, he was he was a big stock picker, dad, Yale. He liked um, he liked the small caps, the micro caps. He liked the he liked the swing for the fences a bit. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little different now, <laughs> more along can't <laughs> slim lines, but right. Um, so then as a kid, you know, I learned how to work the mailroom, answer the phone. I mean, Hirsch organization, can I help you? Is like wow. Uh, I wake up like that. We had the. They well, when the did you start working there? Well, basically, when he moved the office back to the house, he start okay. he started to dislike commuting into the city, and we put on a new garage. He turned the old garage into an office. You know, sheetrock paneling the whole thing. He had the uh, women in the neighborhood who were coming back to work from raising kids who were all you know smart and talented, and I started in the mailroom. God, I must have been about. 10, 12 years old, maybe, so cool. you know, somewhere in there, helping out, loading up the truck, shipping books, taking the, you know, I yeah. come down, actually, I used to do it on Monday Night Football. <laughs> bring awesome. TV from the kitchen downstairs. <laughs> yes. And go get all the, you know, the typed up labels and invoices and pack them all up in jiffy bags and boxes and then stack them up in the new garage where we had a, you know, a book storage section. Yeah. Uh, and then the UPS truck would come in and, and load it up. 
And, uh, and then I started running numbers for him, not like a book, uh, not a bookie, but doing the calculations old school. I have the, the little ruler that I used to use. It's at my, my, uh, my regular office, not the home office where I'm at today. And it was a short little ruler um, from like Dykeman Street Lumber. I don't know, some, some staple, something in Yonker, some staple, uh, uh, some stationary store. And I would run my hand down to Barron's Lab pages and underline with a red pen up half hour ticks, you know, when wow. it, or hour ticks from back in the old days. And then the, up the days, you know, on the, um, the indices that were up from the other, we'd do the calculations on graph paper with an adding machine, you know, just like, wow. Know. wow. And then, you know, just to not make it too long, too long of a story, make it short. When I started working for him, which I guess I could fill that in, you know, I turned it into uh, convert a lot of that stuff into Excel for DOS back in like '92, and then yep. Windows 3.1. And now, my current partner, it's it's on a piece of software that we've internal that we've written that we run. So I, I don't have to do that stuff. We still enter, you know, upload the data ourselves. And at one point, I went back and I cross-referenced the data from three different data sources, and you know, made sure we had the right numbers for each day, at least the daily closes. Yeah. So I spent some time, you know, avoiding not wanting to work for my father, do my own thing. And then, you know, uh, I was landscaping. I was getting into that business. There's, there's money to be made there. I like being outside. I like the smell of two cycle oil and grass clippings. I still do. Uh, and, and how long did you do that for? Um, that was like, you know, high school, uh, late college, okay. you know, like in, in the 80s, you know. And I was done with school, <clears throat> working for a, 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 a firm in the, in the fall, and I think it was 89. And my buddy, my, my oldest friend in the world, who I've known for, geez, 51 years, 51 and a half years. I know him, met him in 1970 when they moved in across the street. Wow. He wow. says to me, he says, what are you doing, man? Go work for your father. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Really? That's, it was that simple? Well, I mean, it was. It, that's the... It was kind of that simple, you know, yeah. we were having a bigger conversation, but yeah. that was the, the end of it. And um, so I went in, you know, and I was kind of half working for dad and half landscaping and doing both. Yeah. And he's like, what are you doing, man? You know, and then um, I said, oh, I want to work for you, but I want to, I want a title and I want a salary <laughs> and I want to be clocking in. And, you know, then it, you know, the rest is kind of history. Yeah. But um, they said, uh, you know, we did a lot of different things and we at one point we were running seven newsletters um in different partnerships we had a beating the down newsletter mutual fund newsletter he had had a whole bunch of publications that he went through over the years too so um it was good it was uh, a lot of fun still is i'm still doing it you know yeah and and you you've also expanded the, the business now in, into other areas that you're, you're doing a you're, you're in some uh mutual fund or a mm -hmm. funds too right yeah, I mean, um, this guy, Joe Childry, was a branch manager broker at Wells Fargo towards the end, but started with A.G. Edwards. He'd been other places before. And unbeknownst to me, uh, we one of our big clients for buying books was A.G. Edwards. We used to okay. print, do like 2,000 of them for them, and wow. they'd sell them in their catalog for brokers to buy for, you know, advisors, whatever, to, to pick up for client gifts. It was in their, like, you know. Uh, catalog for brokers to buy stuff. I still say brokers, advisors. Um, and Joe was an A.G. Edwards guy. And he was at La Jolla 
and like he was a big producer and you know he always had the almanac on his conference table in his office you know mm-hmm. and uh one he's he got one of these um sort of bucket list or like maybe it was a big producer trip it was a um safari to africa so you know he's going to get to the airport and he's leaving from the office and um excuse me he left his reading material for the flight at home so he grabs the almanac off the table brings it with him spends the next what two three weeks with nothing else to read but the almanac oh wow comes back you know a convert trend following convert starts to trade it for his own account and then for some client accounts and then you know he did a bunch of research with a math whiz phd who's in the business alan dr alan shepherd uh Related to the astronaut, by the way, but uh, spelled differently. Um, and he did all that research in, I guess, 06, 07, and launched a hedge fund in 08. Uh, tough year to launch a fund. Yes, not, not very good timing there. He was up about wow. five and a quarter percent. There were some well volatile swings, and they were, you know, they were a little bit more leveraged than we are now because. Um, we converted it to a mutual fund back in 2013. He went 40 act with it and he does a, we do a VIT variable insurance trust, um, as well as, and then a little bit later, the, um, mutual fund tickers PROTX. There's also an A share, I think it's PROAX and PROCX, A share and a B share uh, and a C share, excuse me, you know, for, uh, different loads on it. And when he did that in 2014, you know, he, they were, they were buying almanacs, the old, the old fashioned way with imprinting the logo, probably it's called probabilities fund. Okay. And, which I kind of like with our, you know, uh, like that's great. Our, our market probability calendar in the back, you know, with all yeah. of the different, uh, trades per day. Um, yep. you know, the, the probabilities of what the market does on that day. And we also have it on the, you know, on the on the calendar diary pages on, on the right hand side, those little numbers, as you as you I'm sure know from your use of it. So they were buying almanacs. You know, uh, Wiley's still our publisher um, right now, and the Wiley had a deal: you buy 500 almanacs, you get a free webinar with Jeff. So Joe and I, I met him at a money show in San Francisco, which is where you and I met. You know, yeah. in Vegas or whatever. Yeah. And, I think that was one of the ones my wife came with me. It was like summer in California. And um, we hit it off and we started consulting with him for a couple of years. And now myself and my, my business partner are part of the firm. You know, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm the chief market strategist, probabilities fund, equity you know, owner as well, as with my director of research, Christopher, Mist- Christopher Mistel, who's, none of this would be possible without Chris, by the way. I mean, he, he's, he's the glue and he, he, he put Yale's brain on a, in a piece of software and added his own brain to it, which is quite substantial. And, um, you know, that's, that's what we're up to these days. No, that, that, that's, it's really cool. I mean, it's just great to see that history and kind of the, the transfer of knowledge and also the expansion to other vehicles too. So the market isn't an uptrend. Uh, growth stocks continue to hang in there, but remember to, you know, be aware, we are pretty extended, lock in some gains when you have them and let the market in the end also tell you what to do. Let's take a quick break. But when we return, we are going to talk about the January trifecta. We'll be back. Want to dominate the stock market in 2021? With the COVID vaccines, the shifting political landscape and a new year, 
It's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. But with Vantage Point, you don't have to. Visit www.freestockcoaching.com and find out how Vantage Point's AI technology can forecast stock market trends up to three days in advance with incredible accuracy. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. Stop guessing. Check out www.freestockcoaching.com and experience Vantage Point for free. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Jeff Hirsch is our guest on Investing with IVD, sponsored by Vantage Point. Okay, Jeff, let's get into the January trifecta. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the first question is, what is it? Well, you got to add another word in there. It's the January indicator trifecta. Oh, okay. It's three indicators. Yep. Um, Two of them created by Yale, one of them that he uh, helped to popularize. You have the January barometer, which... Yale invented as January goes, so goes the year mm-hmm. with the S&P 500. That's the full month January barometer. Then the Santa Claus rally, which everyone misstates every year. It's something that Yale discovered. It's the last five trading days of the old year and the first two of the new year. It's a seven-day trading period. The phrase that you've heard, if Santa Claus should fail to call, bears may come to Broadway Mall. That's my father's line. He That's wrote incredible. that songwriter. If you remember from our, our early, our previous segment, we discussed that's where he was before he started. Yeah. Um, and that indicator is, you know, there's a usual 1.3 percent, excuse me, gain in the S and P 500 during that period where many of us are out gallivanting or celebrating or away, and the pros kind of come in and pick up the beaten down stocks or rally the market. Yeah. Years when that doesn't transpire, we've had some, uh, you know, flat and down years. Uh, the last, you know, couple, uh, 08, 09, or excuse me, 07, 08. Um, I just flipped back to the book. There was the, um, this is page 112 in your, uh, excuse me, 116. All right. So you had, um, let's see. 2015, we ended up with that little bear market in uh, um, February, that bottom. You got uh, 07, 08, we had the big crash. Uh, 04, we had a flat year, 99, 2000. Um, Back to 94, we had, uh, you know, 93, 94, we had a flat year. So um, it's basically an indication that, you know, if, People aren't buying at that period of time. It's a little bit of a warning sign for what's going on in the year. And then you have the first five trading days of the year, which is the older one, the first week of January. That's, that's not something you'll create but out there. So we took all three of them. Okay. And combined them. Now, let me just pause for a second. The reason the January barometer works is something called the 20th amendment to the constitution, the lame duck amendment, which was passed in 33, but not fully ratified uh, until 34, 35, and didn't take effect until 1937 for, was that Roosevelt's second term, right? If, if I'm, if I'm dialing all this up down the second term, it's actually, I'm working on a little post for that. Yeah. That's his second term. And, um, what happened is they took, uh, when new Congresses were elected in the previous November, they used to be lame ducks where they were in office for another 13 months till the following December when the new Congress convened. Oh, wow. And presidents 
were inaugurated on March 4th, which had a lot to do with the old days when people didn't have automobiles and planes to get around in. And mm -hmm. there were different uh, seasonal responsibilities that uh, these people had back at their homesteads and farms, you know, like John Adams and, and those types of people. Yeah. Um, so they, the 20th Amendment of the Constitution took new Congresses convening into the first week of January, which we saw this year. Yep. Just, you know, a, a month or about two months after they were elected and new presidents being inaugurated in, on January 20th, which ironically, or at least wonderfully, is today. Right. As we're recording this. Um, and um, what that does is it also brings all of these other important events into China. You've got, you know, policy initiatives, setting priorities for the country, the uh, forecasts from folks like myself and, and all of the big wirehouses in Wall Street and people readjusting money in year end, which I think is probably not the best time to make your big moves unless there's a couple of small cap some small cap type trades you're making. I'd rather see people making their moves in September, October, and uh, April, May, June, than uh, around November, December, January. But that's a, another story. We'll, maybe we'll get into that. So all these important events are packed into January mm -hmm. and the market reacts to them. So what the market sees, what's gonna potentially happening ahead, you've got a, a, a little bit of a barometer, a, a pretty solid one where, you know, it's only 10 major errors in about what, 70 years is that is that the the whole thing i i want to say that that was it and but i'm looking yeah and even the, when you include it's down. an 85 percent accuracy ratio so there 85.7 percent yeah yeah and then when you when you add in all the flat year errors where you know it was up or down less plus or minus five percent it's still 74.3 percent accurate granted there's an upward bias to the market mm -hmm. and you know if, if you take some of the the you know, debunkers or the, or the, the skeptics that you could just, the market's going to be up that much on any given chance. That's fine. But down January's still have a solid record. And we saw that this year. And we also see the December low crossing thing. So January indicator trifecta combination of the Santa Claus rally, the first five days early warning system and the full month January barometer, all based on the S and P. Okay. And I can show you the amazing results if you'd like. If I can share my screen, if that's yeah, right. yeah, sh sh share your screen. So, we, so far, we have two out of the three, right? Correct. Right. So, two so be positive. Yes, two, two are so positive this, right now. This is from my 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 newsletter page. This is a you know subscriber login. This is and, and Jeff before. And so, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, uh, when you get a chance, go home, go to investors.com slash podcast. You can see the video version where Jeff is showing uh, this table. Uh, of uh, the, the January trifecta. Which of course is at stocktradersalmanac.com. Yes. You know, just, so what you see here is uh, the last 31 times that all three were positive, going back to 1950. Okay. I can explain to you why 1950 is relevant uh, later or, or in a moment, but of the 31 times the prior 31 times that all three were positive. Now we've only got two positive right now. Santa Claus rally first five days positive. January's looking pretty good right now, but it did last year until COVID hit on the last trading day of the year. So, you know, that's why we wait. And, and last year it finished what negative 0.2%. It was like barely under, right? But by the end of the, because I, I remember we were watching it. I was watching closely because you told me about this yeah. last okay. year. I was like, oh my God, we, we didn't get hit it. It was uh, it was indicative last year. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, even though we had a great year over year, um, you know, performance after the big snapback and all the, mm-hmm. the, the stimulus, we still had a pretty nasty correction that absolutely that was troublesome for a lot of people. So 28 out of 31 times the market was up full year, 27 out of 31 up the last 11 months. We'd like to, you know, take wow. the January out of the calculus. 11 months, 12.3% average, and the full year, 17.5% average. Wow. So something to um, keep in your indicator quiver at month end. Yeah. So again, here we are standing on top of Yale's shoulders. I think it's, it was Isaac Newton that said, if I've seen further, it's by standing on the shoulders of giants. I like it. It's one of the quotes I put on a page in the Super Boom book when I'm referring to Yale and, and how he discovered a bunch of things. And so the 1950, explain that uh, quickly. Uh, also, well, why, why that's significant. I show a chart of seasonal pattern. We do a one-year seasonal market pattern. And, you know, we have the best and worst six months, the sell in May and buy in October, whatever. Um, most of the market's gains have been, since 1950, have been made in from November to April, May to October, generally flat. Okay. And what happened before 1950 this was a farming uh, agricultural economy where most of the cash flows in and out of the markets came from agriculture. So we have a growing season. You can see it was pretty much buy in May back in the old days That's when, so you know, reaping and, and, uh, and planting and hiring and equipment and fuel and seed and fertilizer and everybody started working up through harvest time when, you know, everything came to market and then it, it faded off. So then you also had what Eisenhower called the military industrial complex, which mm-hmm. began post-World War II. So a lot of this is post-World War II, but you know, um, there was a bear market uh, after World War II. And there was also, you know, a little uh, sort of a sell-off post-war sell-off. And then the first full four-year cycle, the presidential election cycle starts in 49. We often use 1949 for a lot of you know, references, but 50 is also there. Um, so that's why we look at that point. And now we have the, you know, uh, service industrial, you know, tech economy that doesn't really, that more, really, more revolves around the vacation period, which equates to the old selling, you know, the old phrase, sell a man, go away. Coming back on St. Ledger's Day. You know that part of it? The old British. No, I, don't, I, I do not know that part. So this, you ever see Downton Abbey or watch any of those British you know, a little uh, bit of those. So what happens is they have something called the London season. Okay. Which is like September through May. So London is, was built on a swamp. Uh, It still gets kind of muggy. And now they actually have air conditioning and ice cubes in in England. I didn't (laughs) hear that 20 years ago, but um, people have this tendency to do things during the warmer months with brighter light. I mean, I play a lot more golf from May through September than I do right. from September through, even though we did play some into December this year. Uh, people go away, they take vacations. You see, we have a whole page in the Almanac about the summer doldrums of volume. Trading That's volume. true. That's absolutely August. Yep. I'm sure you've seen that. Yep. So the old sell in May and go away and come on back on St. Ledger's Day refers to the St. Ledger's stakes horse race the final leg of the british thoroughbred triple crown wow which is the final event from all of the 
you know, royals and merchants and aristocracy coming back from their country homes after their summer of fox hunting and, and horse racing, they come back to the city. I'm being a little bit, you know, tongue in cheek here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's how the, and, and it works with us here with the Memorial Day to Labor Day right. vacation. Um, yep. And this is all these patterns are based upon behavioral uh, patterns, behavioral finance patterns of what people do collectively, almost sociologically with their money on a regular basis. And whether you go down to the intraday trading patterns that we have in the back of the book or the multi-year patterns based upon what we call the quadrennial quadrille, the four-year election cycle dance, or, you know, the monthly, quarterly stuff around triple witching. I mean, there's events that make people behave certain ways with their money. People pay their bills about the same time every month, or hopefully they do, and they try to. Yep. Um, that's where we have the monthly, you know, uh, what used to be the five-day bulge. Now we call it the, um, what is it, the uh, super seven, super eight days of the month. And then here's something we discovered. Was, this might be one of the things that you, you wanted me to get into. The new indicator or the new monthly pattern was something that Yale actually discovered while I was working for him in the 90s. We saw that instead of the, the strength being at the end of the month and the beginning of the month was at the last day plus the first four of the new month where a lot of money came into the market because people were doing transactions on their month end you know, financial activity. We saw this mid-month spike in the stock market regularly. What happened? You had the mutual fund industry and the 401k retirement industry with the monthly, the bi-monthly payrolls, people getting paid on the 1st and the 15th yeah. or whatever, the 30th and the, or every two weeks. Yeah. So you this, the 9th, 10th and 11th trading days of the month become very strong. And this is the kind of stuff that Probabilities Fund is based on. We look at a, a bunch of other things, but it's basically the repetitive behaviors of people putting money in and out of the market and the, the, the fund managers that, you know, the, the port, the, the big, sense. you know, institutional money having to take that money and put it to work. They're yes. not even they're not even picking stocks or making investment decisions. They're saying, "Well, we get all this money every every month at this day. It's got to go into our allocations, to our models, yep. or whatever it is." So that's yep. what creates those, you know, the the typical month, the ca monthly cash flows. I mean, there's there's charts and on every almanac page in the in you know in the book for February, you can see those bar charts. That's what's that depicting. And those were the calculations I used to do by hand uh, in the old days. No, and and so now talking about cycles and, and things like that, you know, as you mentioned earlier, it is inauguration day today. Talk a little bit about the presidential cycle and also the post-election year syndrome. This is a quote from Nixon. I'll read it for the podcast, Listen, the, the audio people. Richard Nixon in 1960. Early in March 1960, Dr. Arthur F. Burns called on me. Burns' conclusion was that unless some decisive action was taken and taken soon, we were heading for another economic dip, which would hit its low point in October, just before the elections. This is from Nixon's um, Six Crises book. It's incredible. Burns was his uh, economic advisor and had a very infamous stint at the Fed as a Fed chair. Um, didn't last very long there. But what this tells me, it's a, it's one pregnant phrase showing a president and a Fed chair economic advisor highlighting seasonal market behavior and yeah. four-year election cycle behavior. Yeah. So the post-election year has been the worst, used to be the worst year of the four-year cycle. I'm showing a chart here of the four years, the post-election year, midterm year, pre-election year, election year. Election year, the third year as President's prime the prompt to get reelected. 
much stronger, up 16.2% on average since 49 for the Dow, up 29.3 on average for NASDAQ since 71, when NASDAQ was first, you know, became not just over the counter. And you see the election year's performance coming down. We've got some battleground, you know, 365 campaigning, or they, they, I think they campaign for four years now, pretty much. That's true. And you still got the midterm election issue, which is something to, to look at for next year, for 22, when, you know, there's going to be a pushback from uh, the Republicans to try to take control of, of one or two houses of Congress. Mm -hmm. And that creates this, something we call midterm bottoms. But maybe we'll do a podcast about midterm years next year. We have to. Yeah, exactly. So now, so the post election there, 12, for, for the NASDAQ, it was 12.6%. Uh, that, yes. that, so, so, so hopefully good news there. I, I would even venture, I mean, we, we made an annual forecast. If our best case scenario comes to it, it'll, it'll probably be, you know, more in the 20s, 20 to 30%. If the vaccine rollout works, and a lot of money being pumped in, yep, and we get people, you know, back to normal a bit, right? We could have a big year again um, because there's a lot of pent up demand. It's true, and it's even though there's been, you know, a decent amount of of, of sales, just it's still down. So the syndrome you were talking about, you know, yes. bear markets, big bear markets in 29, 37, 57, 69, 73, 77, 81. 01 and 09. Yeah. We had wars beginning, civil wars in 1861, World War One in 17, World War Two in 41, Vietnam in 65, really. And then we had 9 11 and 01. After the 29 crash, we had four straight up years with 33 being up 67%. So this is when sort of the four year cycle is a little bit, you know, um, overridden by other forces. Okay. And you've got the secular bull market in the 80, late 80s and 90s with 85, 89, 93, and 97 being all up. Here in the 21st century, 01, as we mentioned before, and 05 were, were down. Okay. 09 was up 19% for the Dow, but it was up 59% off that big secular bear market low in March. Right. There's another whole podcast to talk about that big move there. Yeah. In 2017, you know, the last post-election year was up pretty strong. It was a, it was a unbelievable 25, year. 25% for the Dow. Yeah. Um, so we also look at political alignments. I'm showing a slide here. Let's go all these different ma matchups showing Republican Congresses and Democratic presidents are the best up 16.4%. Uh, but it's really not the president's party per se. It's what the con congressional makeup Republican Congresses 14.6 versus 10.1 for Democratic Congresses. But just to sort of trim this down, we have a Democratic president uh, and we either have a Democratic Congress or a split Congress. I would contend it's split because of the Senate being 50-50 yeah. or even 48 with two independents. And then um, Vice President Kamala Harris having the uh, high-breaking vote. So there's a discussion about, um, you know, a, a power share with right. McConnell and, and, and uh uh, Schumer. Um, so 11.7% for Democratic presidents with a split Congress, 7.4% uh, for Democratic presidents and Democratic Congresses. Lower with Democratic Congresses, they tend to push a lot more uh, new spending through, which, you know, sort of taxes Wall Street a bit, hmm. um, a little more regulation. And that's why that number is there lower. And then the chart that's in the almanac that you have in front of you, 
yep. I think it's what, page nine, if memory serves, right? I think it was nine, yeah. Where it shows post-election patterns after incumbent party wins and incumbent party losses. Incumbent party wins much stronger, uh, up almost 12%. Incumbent party losses just over 2%. Uh, and all post-election years about you know 7%. Uh, but we looked at it, we drilled down a little bit deeper uh, and this was posted, you know, put put the bed, put oh, sent to press in in July of of twenty of twenty twenty when we, um, you know, began to to lay out the almanac for for publishing. Uh, so that was that cutoff date. I think it was July twenty second. Yeah, July twenty second. And then we were looking at, you know, once we saw that we were getting a first year Democrat, we we read looked at the numbers and first year Democrats. Um, we've got still got post-election year after incumbent party loss on there under 2%. We've got all years from 49 to um, 2019. I've got, I always look at 88 and 2019 for the seasonal patterns because after <clears throat> the um, 87 crash, the market was changed systemically with the collars and, and circuit breakers and that's interesting. not quite as, as left uh, un, ungoverned. Um, and of course, all post-election, but first year Democrats up, 10.6% on average, a median gain of 15.1, but it's only four since 1949 that we had first year Democrats. Kennedy, Carter, Clinton, Obama, all four came in with Democratic control. The only loser was Carter when we had that big stagflation uh, right. economic, you know, malaise, yep. crisis of confidence, if you will, back in 77. And there were some oil embargoing things going on there as well. So um, that's the basic post-election year syndrome with a little bit of a, a, you know, current year wrinkle on there. So, well, that, that's a, that's a, that's a perfect way to end this segment. So knowing where you are in the market cycle and also knowing what season it is can help you improve your success in the market. Coming up next, Jeff and I will talk about a few ideas. Stay tuned. Tired of reading about other people getting rich in the stock market? Today is your day. Vantage Point's artificial intelligence has predicted countless market reversals, helping traders weather any storm up to three days in advance. Visit www.freestockcoaching.com and find out how their AI automatically recognizes global market patterns well ahead of the news to help you pick the best trade. Go to www.freestockcoaching.com to join a free live training session today. Don't delay. Save your seat now. We are back with Jeff Hirsch on Investing with IBD, sponsored by Vantage Point. Okay, Jeff, let's get into a few ideas here. Mm -hmm. And the first one is uh, ticker symbol ABID. What I'm going to do is Avid Technology. I'm going to share my screen. And uh, here, I pull up the Mark's book chart. This is on a weekly uh, chart right here. Jeff, what do you like about uh, Avid Technology? Well, I'm going to give you a little overview on, on how we pick these stocks while we're looking at this. Um, you know, always been a fan of CanSlim uh, and like the the systematic metrics of it. We have our own system. We we think we can get in a little bit before. Some of them are a little bit smaller. So we're sort of like pre-CanSlim. We do a, a pretty heavy-duty fundamental screen, and we okay. do use Market Smith. Uh, we're subscribers. To that. That's part of our analysis. So, And we also have our seasonal overlay. So we're not getting into new stocks at any time of the year. We're getting into new growth stocks somewhere in the September to November period around when we get our best six months MACD buy signal. Mm -hmm. um, and we do a pretty robust screen. We also use Zach's research wizard to, to scan um, 
just because we have an arrangement with them to scan the, the, the universe, about 8,000 stocks. And we look at not just revenue and earnings growth, but revenue and earnings growth acceleration. Okay. And we look at valuations, PEs, price to sales. Price to sales ratio is the first thing I learned. I, used to, I mean, I used to analyze stocks a lot more individually with the stories and stuff. And now we just look at the numbers, really. I'm not necessarily, we find out about the story later. Like we had uh, Scott's Miracle Grow was a pick for us a while back. Like, well, it's throwing off good numbers. What the hell? Right, right, right. right. This industry. Yeah. They were selling a lot of, a lot of the, uh, they bought a, a division that sold a lot of hydroponic stuff and fertilizer. So, yep, they want a huge run. Often yep. we'll find out later what they're about. So, yeah. we run our fundamental screens, uh, growth, acceleration, valuations, uh, Get, make sure there's some some liquidity and decent level of market cap and we break them down into small cap for us is under a billion mid cap okay. is one to five billion and large cap which is not really everyone else's large cap is over five billion our our large caps are probably other people's mid caps mid caps right vice versa and our mids are smalls and our smalls are maybe micros we don't we don't go to the old school what is it? Uh, uh, nan- nano caps or whatever they call them now. I'm not sure what the or word micro is. cap or something like that. No, there's now. Oh, is there na- nano caps? <laughs> it's adding like The stuff that's like, you know, $50 million. That's, you know, oh, if, well. if it's not of a certain price and of a certain liquidity, we're not publishing it. Makes sense. Then we, so we screen them, we compare them to the market. So it's not just in a vacuum, it's relative. Um, and we also want it to not be underperforming or outperforming the market to the S&P. Uh, and then we look at analysts. Now, we don't care what the analysts say. Mm-hmm. We want to know how many are following it. Okay. And all things being equal, two socks, similar numbers, one's being followed by 20 analysts, one's being followed by five. We're going with the one with five under Wall Street's radar. So companies that are quietly growing, revenues and earnings, good valuations, um, you know, under not underperforming, not outperforming, sort of below the radar. And they're naturally going to be a little bit smaller than too if they're, if they're underfollowed at that point, right? For the most part. Precisely part. why our capitalization numbers are probably skewed right. a little bit smaller th- than others. Yeah. And then we and then we go to the charts. You know, then we'll mm-hmm. go to we'll then we'll drop in those. We get the eight thousand down to about fifty or so stocks. Then we'll run them into Market Smith and mm-hmm. we'll look and we'll use your comparisons, which I love. Um, you know, we'll compare it to O'Shaughnessy or O'Neill and, and oh, okay. we'll look at some of what other people think. Oh, we're usually, we usually don't get the, as positive ratings, but we look for some some coverage in there. And, you know, uh, your chart patterns we're looking at, the cup and handles and yeah. the breakouts and, and all that stuff yeah. as you're showing here. And then we'll, we'll narrow it down to the ones we like. And then we'll go into another technical charting software that we use. It's Trade Navigator. And look for buy limits or you know buy points using old school technical analysis yep. gaps and consolidations and and you know pivot points and candles and, and things like that and you know kind of use the old art of technical analysis and pick a spot that where we like it we don't get them all so long story short so this one so avid technology this this is one that's come up on your screen this recently. is one of the ones we put in our november stock basket okay um which i picked out five other ones there's other ones i picked out the the, the more techie growth ones because we think that that's you know you can go wrong with a regional bank or a, you know oil and gas producer you know something like that or something like that. but tech's where it's at right now so yeah 
there's more stocks. There's more conservative ones on the list, but I'm bringing you five to give you guys an idea. And so Abbott Technology has been just an incredible uptrend since uh, November. We've added it to uh, November 13. I think we put the list out on the 12th. So the next day, it traded below our buy limit at 1069. Okay. Yeah, you got it right there. So yeah. it's up for us from there. Okay. Um, now, these are not stocks that I know the whole story of inside and out. You know, and we, we pick them, we look at them, make sure they're for real, and then we, we get a better idea. So the Avid it happens to be pretty cool. It's at the forefront of the digital media revolution. Uh, and it boasts a uh, pretty uh, uh, stable of industry-leading software um, and partnerships. Mm -hmm. So as the economy, you know, began to recover in 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 um, from COVID, uh, they people ramped up digital media. What we're doing now, you know, I mean, you were doing this anyway prior, but there's a lot more of this stuff going on out there. Yeah. Uh, so their media production and publishing revenue and and paid subscribers pick back up. They have this open and efficient media platform, and they've got a whole suite of comprehensive tools for creating, producing, distributing, and monetizing feature films, wow. television, music recording, other live events. Um, that's a sweet spot these days. You know, that's what everyone's spot. doing. Yeah, it's a nice suite yep. of, yeah. of tools. Yes. But um, <laughs> you know, it's not the kind of technology I'm personally using. You know, uh, I'm I'm Zoom and PowerPoint. Yeah. And but people are doing stuff out there. Like somebody might be recording us live using their stuff. Yeah. So um, again, you know, we update our buy limits and a, a lot of people recommend stocks, a lot of, you know, organizations, newsletters. So one of the things we pride ourselves on is not just what to buy, but when to buy it and at what price and where to place your stop. Um, we do, you know, listen to the IBD seven, eight percent on the bigger caps as a, as a, you know, framework, but we'll look for points on the chart here. I don't know offhand where this, where the stop is. I could look it up on this, but it's, it's in our portfolio. I mean, you've got this uh, June 19 high I'm looking at right there, you know, just eyeballing, you know, way back here, June, 2019. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah put that, put that cross right on June, 2019, that peak, you know, that somewhere in that area where that consolidate and maybe not the very peak, but yeah. some sort of, that's that's looking and there and then you got that that candle or that that um open high low close there just towards the end uh right where we bought it oh okay over here yeah you know that's kind of getting into a stop area right right where your line mm -hmm. is somewhere in there you know you, yeah you yeah understand what i'm saying so that's how we pick our stops got it and yeah. then we'll raise them up yeah, um, and sense. we'll have a pivot point on there you know we might look at the 50 day um so that keeps moving up we update those monthly no, that's no that that's in a strong trend. Let, let's go to another idea here. This is Elmat. You want uh, to do this for me? <laughs> I was hoping you would. <laughs> I think it's like Lametra Vascular. I don't, yeah, this, I'm not this sure. This is I looked into this. This is a um, a, a company that makes very specific um, you know vascular tools. They have uh, stents and procedures and and treatments for some very peripheral vascular diseases. And um, they've managed to stay small and really, I mean, it's, it was started by a surgeon looking for better solutions. Yeah. So they continue to add, um, uh, what do they call it? Indications where they can use the same thing for different different things. And they've also acquired some other uh, stocks, uh, some other companies. And um, 
that's, that's pretty much the story there. They we got in there at what 37 29 on the 13th, also. Right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Got, so, 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 so right, right around here, right around here. We had a little yeah. dip, yeah, you know, not perfect, but we held our, our stop level. Yeah, I don't know where our stop was, but you know, I can I can I can go check it from you. Obviously, above that level because we didn't get right there. Is that a go over? Is that pivot right there? Well, who's that pivot you hit? Uh, well, the the, the pivot was like, there. There was a couple of the handle actually that that you were actually buying out of there too. Um, right. So I mean, little, they, yeah. This is not. It's not a, a. It's not a coincidence that your chart patterns here are are jiving with the picks that we made here. Right. I mean, Right. We use we use Market Smith. I mean, we love it. Um, it's a very cool deal. I, I just missed the newspaper, but whatever. <laughs> Even if it was PDF or something, maybe you'll have to get me back in so I can look at the big picture because I missed it. I don't yeah, know. yeah, I'll I'll show where it is. Okay, um, so 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 that that was Elmat. Let's go let's go to another idea here. This is OSIS. Uh, OSIS. Bigger mark. You got a little more market cap here. This is the mid cap one. The first two yeah. were small caps. And so now this, well, this is the aerospace industry. Uh, they're the ones that make, um, they also do uh, uh, monitoring for um, medical monitoring. Um, defense and aerospace, medical, yeah. industrial. Yeah. Um, security and inspection systems, turn, turnkey screening operations, and integrated solutions. As you can see, I'm looking down at my notes because we don't know. We're not like story stock. And and that's fine. Yeah. You know, it's, um, we 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 learn about them later, as I mentioned with the uh, what was it? Um, what's the big cloud computing one? Uh, Ariston Networks. Oh, Anet. Yep. Anet came through us through these screens, and then we yep. then we find out what they were doing. It's it's you know we we put stops in also so. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of using technicals. Uh, so sometimes you just go with the trend. You see something's going on, kind of like what you're talking about with Scott and Miracle Girl. Mm -hmm. Like something's happening here. I don't know what yet, but let's get in it. We have our stuff to protect us if it goes against us, and then we can learn about the story to figure out whether we should hold on to it longer or whatever. I've had a similar experience with the seasonal patterns and yeah. the seasonal indicators. We know it's working. Not exactly sure the, the behavioral finance behind it, but we'll, yeah. we'll try to figure it out later. Well, yeah, I mean, you you were raised on this, like to to listen to the market in the end. Listen, there is a seasonality to it. There is a rhyme and reason, but you don't want to overthink it, right? You you, you want to go with the flow. But you know the the years of of uh, cross examination by by people like yourself and others, you know, have forced us to find the correlation. And yeah. you know, correlation is important. You know, you don't always see it right away, but if you can go back and and reconstructed that that's helpful yeah so so here's one that it's it's, it's trying to go it's still struggling a little bit here but it, it's one uh worth keeping an eye on you got over the dotted lines oh, i'm sorry say that again back in 18 there's two the, the uh, what pattern is out of there you got an old over here the, there's a consolidation yeah. that was forming and then out of here is a flat base and what's that up. blue line right there the blue bar here yeah uh, well, this is uh, well. You have a couple of handle over here, so actually, once again, <laughs> you're, you're kind of buying. Actually, well, it, it was surrounded. You picked it up right there. Yeah, at um, eighty three ninety eight on yeah. November thirteenth. Yeah, that's and it, funny. You know, wow, it and, it, and it went up twenty. It went up twenty percent from from there. So you're you're currently up around like seventeen percent from that couple of handle. 
that that it uh, that that was finding too on pattern recognition. We, Let's we go stand, to we stand on Bill O'Neill's shoulders also. No, no, no. I, I, many people do. So, so that thank you for saying that. That that's that that is awesome. Always uh, amazing to hear. Avav. Avav. So one more. It's we'll go of, over. It's kind of a, you know, a a a, a bad boy style. Not a bad boy, but a badass style. They make <laughs> weapons like you know drones. Well, they have the drones. That's always that I remember. They have these. Yeah. I don't know. I forget what the name of it is. They have these. This like you know unmanned missiles. Yeah. I mean, this is like uh, combat theater stuff. Um, Unmanned aircraft, global leader. They supply military and homeland security and surveillance solutions. Um, they also help telecom people, you know, uh, find out um, that link millions to the digital economy. Uh, this was picked up same date, the 13th. We all recommended all these on the same day at 80.45. And coming out with a cup of the handle too, right here too. Yeah, and where's where's the uh, 13th right there? Right there, yeah. Well, I mean, you're up 69% in 12 weeks on this one we haven't been in it for 12 have we is that, is that yeah it is almost 12 you know? yeah well well it's the well the pivot to oh it might be you know what it might be a little bit shorter it might have broken out just a little bit all right but you're saying it's say 60 percent, 60 60 something percent and um i guess uh last one amdocs this is our, our large cap dox uh, dox right yep yeah. um you know it services cloud native open and dynamic uh Portfolio digital solutions, platform services. It generated 4.2 billion in revenue in 2020. Yeah. So it's about nine and a half million now. Um, it's been flatlining for a while. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if we got, what do you got? A cup and handle here? Two cups and handle? Yeah, there's a couple with handle, but th this one. Saucer. Yeah. I mean, on relative strength base, I mean, it makes sense. It's just a, it's kind of a flatliner. They're, they're a dividend play, probably. We're in also. At 60, 63.49. Okay. Perfect. So, so there are a few ideas that are worth considering. Uh, adding your watch list, yeah, as you can see, uh, it, it was pretty cool that Jeff was using uh, a number of uh, patterns on MarketSmith to help him uh, decide when to enter some of these stocks. So Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today. Pleasure is entirely mine. Hopefully we'll do it again. Absolutely. Next right. week, we are going to have Charles Harris on the show. Charles is a longtime portfolio manager in-house and of Bill O'Neill. And he's also a part of O'Neill Global Advisors. So that's it for this week on Investing with IBD. I'm Arusha Paris, and thanks for listening. And for this week's Nilton Charts, make sure to go to Investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode.